so that people would look at us and say, do y'all even realize what's going on in the world? And I'm like, yeah, I do realize what's going on in the world, but I have peace. And in that peace, I can find joy. And in that joy, I can grab my wife and dance in the living room. <laughs> right? <laughs> And we thank you so much for joining us for the Run the Race podcast. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, here with you every week talking about fitness and faith. And again, uh, the big topic right now uh, circulating all over the nation and the world is coronavirus or this COVID-19 pandemic with uh, so many cases rising uh, by the hour, by the day. And uh, we're certainly praying for our nation, praying for the world and all those affected by this, uh, whether it be economically or uh, medically, and uh, you probably have a friend or know someone that uh, has maybe p- tested positive for COVID-19, or maybe you know a first responder or a healthcare worker. They're definitely in our prayers as uh, this is a very stressful time, overworked, not enough medical supplies, and so we're they're definitely in our thoughts right now. You might have some uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus fatigue right now, tired of hearing about it, seeing all the news 24-7. We are going to talk about it some today, but we have a special guest for you, a local pastor who him and his wife actually posted a video of them dancing on Facebook recently with the caption, what do you do on your 32nd anniversary when you're in the house all day and night? They're stuck like a lot of us. Well, even in this pandemic, you know, love conquers all. That video has been shared by USA Today on Instagram and now has at least 200,000 views all over social media. I shared it on Jason Dennis WTVM. And just uh, within about 24 hours, it has close to 2,000 views just there. And so uh, some some light in the darkness, uh, something to make you smile. So we're going to talk to him about that and so many other things about how he grew up Jewish and uh, just a few years ago uh, became a Christian and now is a lead pastor in Columbus, Georgia, and so many other things, um, some coronavirus-related, some not. And uh, you maybe have, have observed some things during this quarantine time, you know, People uh, posting things on social media, playing instruments, glamour shot challenges, uh, helping out with schoolwork, gardening, cooking more, different acts of kindness. I saw a disc jockey was playing music outside of a, a nursing home to kind of give them some uh, um, some positive vibes. And uh, churches doing different things, a lot of them doing uh, live things on Wednesdays and Sundays, but also you know live in your living room. People are church hopping, which is not a bad thing now because you're able to see different uh, sermons from different people locally and nationally on Facebook Live. So that's been a positive thing. And if you're stuck at home, you know this is really an opportunity to maybe spend time with your family, get some projects done, uh, go walking or hiking with loved ones, play games, uh, read your Bible, and, and and pray more. In fact, I just joined a daily devotional with our local church youth group, and it's called Dangerous Prayers. And it talks about how, you know, and this is true for me as well, how you pray at meals, sometimes, you know, safe, predictable. You could even call it, quote, lame prayers. And so I I fall into that boat a lot of times. And sometimes you just get stuck into a rut. And am I praying correctly or or am am I praying safely? So uh, we really don't need to put a ceiling on God. We need to be bold, desperate, and, and really real when it comes to our prayers. And so this is a opportunity, a time to wake up and pray these daring prayers, really talk for real and listen to God as well. Not just talk to Him, but listen to what He is saying to us. Because it says in Psalm 59.1, in the midst of all this chaos we're saying, in the Bible it says, Deliver me from my enemies, God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. And right now we're dealing with this um 
COVID-19 epidemic. And uh, we need as much help as we can get. And, and also physically, because, you know, with our mental health and our physical health, you want to get outside and do something. Um, you know, you've heard of the freshman 15. Well, there's maybe the quarantine 15. The scientific uh, um, experts are saying that self-isolation may affect your health. You know, you're craving more carbs. You're out, you know, inside and snacking all the time and you're, you're bored. And, um, and, you know, the scientists say that poor sleep affects the part of your body that regularly, you know, regulates appetite and metabolism that, that uh, leaves us craving those uh, fatty, sugary, starchy foods. So we need to figure out ways to get on a regular sleep pattern, even during self-isolation, going to sleep maybe at the same time, waking up at around the same time. Get out of the house for at least 15, 30 minutes each day. The daylight is going to help you. Exercise is going to help you. Make sure your bedroom is dark and relaxation techniques. Anything to get that proper sleep that may help you put down all the junk food and, and be healthier uh, physically, mentally, and, and even spiritually as well. Now to get to our guest for today. In fact, uh, Pastor Ed Griffinhagen uh, he, he, when he came into the building here at WTVM in Columbus, Georgia, where I work, uh, we took his temperature as we came into the building and took mine as well. Every day we're going into work, it's a new normal. If it's 100.4 degrees or above, you're not allowed in the building with that fever because of uh, the current state of things. Well, Pastor Ed Griffinhagen has been married for 32 years. His wife joined us during the uh, podcast interview as well. They have two sons, one grandson. One of their sons about to graduate from UGA this summer, but unfortunately probably won't be walking at a commencement ceremony. Ed himself got a bachelor's from UGA in 1987. They got his master's in theology from Liberty University just last year. We talked about him growing up Jewish. We'll talk about that during the interview. He was a missions pastor at a, a place called My Church up until about two years ago, and he's now the lead pastor of that same church, which is now called Church on the Trail. He's been the lead pastor there for about two years now. He also started, him and his wife, a homeless ministry called M2540, named after Matthew 2540. He also has some close connections with the filmmakers from Albany, Georgia, that have made some very popular films, including the latest one, Overcomers. So let's uh, listen in on uh, my discussion with Pastor Ed. All right, I'd like to welcome Pastor Ed Griffin-Hagen to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Tickled to be here. <laughs> well, Pastor, tell me about. Um, well, first of all, you're um, you know uh, we're in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic that's happening uh, to our entire country, and in the midst of that, you know we're trying to find creative ways to enjoy ourselves when we're stuck at home and under quarantine. So, I understand you and your wife uh, put together a video you posted last week for your anniversary just recently. Tell me about that and, and kind of what's sparked from that. Well, you know, super spur of the moment thing, Susan, my wife, Susan, <clears throat> we've been married about 32 years and she, uh, every now and again, she would say, Hey, let's do a TikTok, uh, dance, post a TikTok video. And I'm like, what in the world is TikTok? I'm a fun guy, but, uh, <laughs> that's a little out of my wheelhouse probably. And so multiple times I'm like, I'm not doing that. And the other night, which was on our anniversary, she said, let's do a TikTok video. I walked back into our living room and I said, hey, we'll do, I'll do a TikTok video with you. I'll dance. And so we did, and it ended up being longer, a minute and a half or something, just to kind of make people smile that there's stuff you can do at home. You could actually talk to each other, which would be a shocking thing to do rather than, <laughs> than texting or whatever, or instant messaging. And so we... uh 
we did it. It took, she had to teach me the dance. Um, she was the choreographer. So she taught me the dance. It took about nine or 10 takes probably to get it filmed without me messing it up. And then we uploaded it <clears throat> onto our, uh, my Facebook, I think, and then hers. And then, uh, most of our friends kind of saw it and they started making all these really super sweet comments. And then before I knew it, there was a thousand views of that video. And then you know, 1,200, 1,300, one of her cousins shared it, who lives in Atlanta, and apparently one of her cousin's friends that she went to college with works for USA Today, and she saw it on her cousin's uh, Facebook wall, and she said, hey, reach out to Susan and ask her if we could use it on USA Today, and then wham, bam, it's on USA Today yesterday, and it has been like viewed on their Instagram and Facebook like 175,000 times. Wow. It is, it's just nuts. It's because of your dance moves, right? That's because of her dance moves, <laughs> probably in spite of my dance moves. And this was to uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band, uh, maybe uh, music that you guys enjoy? Yeah, Boogie Shoes. But it's, it was really super neat, and I think if it could just bring a little smile so many comments and text messages that we've gotten that just said, you know, I have watched that video 50 times just because it just makes me smile. And I guess in the in the environment that we find ourselves in in our country, well, in the world, I guess, and the really uncharted territories that we're in, the uncharted uh, waters that we find ourselves in, just to have something to smile about is kind of kind of nice yeah and you know what would you tell people in the in the middle of this pandemic that we're all going through and it's uprooting our lives and our businesses and our churches what would you tell people about you know finding joy finding positivity in the middle of that well i i think that um the lord would have for us numerous times in the scriptures he tells us to be anxious about nothing and nothing means nothing it doesn't mean uh be anxious about nothing except coronavirus. That that one you can be anxious about. That's not what he says. Nothing means nothing. Um, and he wants us to bring everything to him, bring everything to the cross, um, you know, through prayer. And he doesn't promise us that there's not going to be trials. I mean, he doesn't promise us that. It's not like Christians don't get sick. I mean, it's absurd to think that. But he promises us peace. And the peace is, and the word tells us that it is in inexplicable peace um and so he promises us the peace in, in, in the middle of the storm not in not there won't be a storm but he promises us that peace and i think that that peace is where we can find joy and i think we're we're just called to be a little different than the world so that people would look at us and say do y'all even realize what's going on in the world and i'm like yeah i do realize what's going on in the world but i have peace and in that peace, I can find joy. And in that joy, I can grab my wife and dance in the living room. Right? <laughs> you know, I mean, really and truly, you can go out and take a walk, read a book, pick the Bible up, you know, play a game, talk. Um, I just think that, um, you know, as a, as a believer, I know at the end of the day that we win. And I, I can really find peace and joy in that. And my prayer is that... Um, there's going to be massive revival at the end of all this. Yeah. 
Absolutely, yeah, we, we hope so. And, and by the way, speaking of that dance, congratulations. 32nd wedding anniversary, is that 32 correct? years she's put up with me. <laughs> um, and speaking of putting up with each other, you know, we are, this is an opportunity to spend a lot more time with our spouses, our kids, our family, which can be a good and a bad thing. Do you, do, have you found from church members of, of or friends of yours that people are getting kind of stir crazy and anxious during this time more than, more than usual? I think probably, I think that relationships, at least what I've seen so far in the couple of weeks or a week or two that it's been, is that, uh, is that re- people's relationships are stronger in the middle of a crisis, quote crisis. Um, but, but I think the stir craziness is for sure. And that probably depends on how people are wired. We'll go out and take a walk or we'll get in the car and just drive around. And I know that you've been a missions pastor at your church, which was my church um, from 2015 to 2018. Not my church, but it was called my church. And is now Church on the Trail, and you are the uh, the lead pastor now there. Um, how you know? How are you and other churches handling all this? Because this is uncharted territory for churches as well. Because you're used to having you know you know dozens, hundreds of people that are there with you as a congregation. And you're and you're preaching, giving the message, but now. You're preaching to an, an empty church, essentially, right? At least in the building. In the building, yeah. I guess the first thing I would say is, you know, every pastor on the planet is a, is a human being, a flawed human being, and they're not going to do everything right. I'm not going to do everything right. So number one, you know, you're going to have a group of people probably in your church that think, by golly, we should be meeting every Sunday. And another group of people that says, no, we shouldn't. And one of the two things is going to happen, which means, and somebody's got to lead the charge. So uh, one thing I would say is give your pastor grace. Whatever church you go to, and I hope that you're going to a church somewhere. But wherever that is and whoever the leader is, just understand that he is charged with shepherding shepherding a, a body of folks the best way that he can. And I guarantee you, your pastor is on his knees praying for your church, and he's praying for you. So give him grace, because if you think one way or the other, somebody else thinks the other way, and the leader's got to make a decision, a godly decision and a, and a prayerful decision, but somebody's not going to, quote, get their way. So I think number one thing is, is your pastor is doing, and the leadership in your church is doing the, the very best that they can do. Now, that said... You know what we're we've been streaming online for I don't know church on the trail we've been streaming online for five years probably so that from a tech perspective was not a big deal for us but there's a lot of churches that they had never done that so it is a big deal yeah huge deal y'all I think have been streaming online for quite some time right yeah solid um, rock yeah so it's a little weird though when you're preaching to be preaching to a camera and not no people in there, you know, um, so that's a little odd, but I think we, when we made our decision two Sundays ago, we, we gathered corporately, um, in person this last Sunday, we decided prayerfully, we decided that, um, which was about the time that they, that the government said that we should not gather in groups of, of more than 10. And I think the scriptures tell us in Romans 13, that we're under the civil authority, and that authority didn't sneak up on God. So, um, and I don't believe for a second 
that our federal government was trying to suppress the gospel. If I did, we would have been gathering in the parking lot, you know, blaring the gospel out somewhere. But I think the federal government's doing the best they can do. And if you believe the CDC and the WHO and the NIH, and I do, because I think they're believable, if you believe them, then I don't think we had any choice but to not gather, physically not gather. So that's the decision we made. And I think that's true with every church that made that decision, and they made it, and it's sad. But I think that God's going to stir all that up in a bucket, and we're going to come out the other end of this with more people that are following Christ rather than less. Because I just that would just be like the way that God does stuff. Yeah. You know, we had a young man come in our church because we forgot to lock the doors the uh, day before yesterday on Sunday which sounds weird. We locked the doors on Sunday, but that's because nobody was there. But we forgot to lock the doors. Funny. We forgot. And all of a sudden, a guy walked in, and he sat down. He was the only person in the church. And when uh, Besides when, besides you and the worship team. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah, besides me and the worship team and the uh, production folks and my wife. And uh, I went up and talked to the guy after the message. Fourth song was playing, and worship service was almost over. And that young man gave his gave his life to Christ, mm. weeping, gave his life to Christ. I mean, what an unbelievable experience! Yeah. And you know, uh, for your church and, and maybe other churches doing different things, different ways, but most have like a Sunday service and a Wednesday service. Some are moving all to online. Are are you and other churches that you've seen doing other things as well, like? daily things or things to kind of get people engaged because you're not able to do those those outreaches and those you know bible study meetings or or women's or men's meetings right now unfortunately you know our uh our our growth group models we you know your church may call it a small group it may be sunday school whatever you call it some of those groups are meeting using zoom some of them may be uh using some kind of live streaming something you know, we have, as a church, have not done a lot of live streaming other than, you know, the Sunday worship. But we decided last week when we decided um, to cancel the physical gathering of the church on Sunday that we needed to create an online community. And so our staff worked pretty hard last week to get it all going. And so now we're, we're having something live streamed uh, every day. Uh, and also, I wanted to um, hear a little bit about your story as well, um, and because uh, you were telling me about how you grew up Jewish and were saved, and I guess became a Christian um, in your late thirties. Tell me about that story because um, that's a journey that you hear about some people taking, but some people maybe remain Jewish, you know, or follow that religion their entire lives. Sure, most do for sure. Um, when I was thirty-seven, <clears throat> Susan and I had been uh, married about fifteen years more or less, had a cup, had two sons at the time, and I just kind of wanted to, uh, I'll try to make this as short as possible. So, no, were you a, a practicing uh, Jew, or in terms of were you very involved in the religion and going, you know? Growing to- up, big time, kept okay. kosher, you know, we were, we were in the synagogue, you know, my whole life, at least up till college. If the doors were open, we were there. I mean, I went to what was called Hebrew school on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons after, you know, after school. We were there on Friday night for a worship service, Saturday morning for a worship service, and Sunday morning for Sunday school. So it was about five days a week, more or less. 
So yeah, I grew up with a lot of quote religion, not no religion. Um, so Susan and I get married <clears throat> and she actually uh, was saved when she was 11, 11, right? Yeah. But uh, for she, us, she's here with us now. Yeah, she's here with just us to now. To make sure we get the stories correct. Right, right. Sorry <laughs> about that. Thank you. You're the pro. No, it's good. Um, but uh, for us to get married, she converted to Judaism, which a Jewish conversion um, is different than you would think. It's not a heart thing, and it's not a give up your belief in Christ. It's a learn the culture thing. And so she did that. It's like she went to a class for a year, ultimately, and got her little certificate. Um, and so she could be a Jewish wife. Um, but there was no renunciation of Christ in that. I know that sounds weird, but that's the way it was. So we get married. She did this to honor you, you know. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ultimately, and for me, it was more my parents were like, that this needs to happen for y'all to get married. And I'm, a, you know, always been sort of an obedient guy. So I was being obedient to them. But fast forward 15 years into our marriage, I frankly wanted to know what the truth was. And and I had never read a Bible. All that five days a week in a synagogue, I never read the Bible. That sounds crazy either. I mean, that sounds crazy too. But I hadn't. So I told Susan, I said, I want to, I want to read, I want to know the truth. I've never read the Bible. I want, to, I, want to, I want to read the Bible. And so I picked up a Bible and she would tell you that I was obsessed with it. So I started on page one, and every night, the kids were maybe 10 or 11 and 7 or 8, something like that. And they would go to bed, and pretty much Susan would go to bed, and I'd sit there, you know, from 9 or 10 at night till 1 or 2 in the morning, starting on page one, Genesis 1-1, and just reading, and reading, and reading, and reading, and reading. And to make a long story short, and 10 months later, I finished the Old Testament, and I thought, well... It couldn't just end there. Right. There has to be there has to be more to the story than that. It's like reading a Tom Clancy novel or something and and not reading the last chapter. Yeah. You know, it's like it could, just couldn't that couldn't be the end of what God's doing. Sure. Right. So I wanted to get a New Testament, but nice Jewish boys don't read the New Testament, right? And but I went over to. Um, it's a Christian bookstore next to Office Depot, and I was going to go in the mustard seed. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if my dad, retired military guy, said if my dad sees me going in the mustard seed, he's going to take a swing at me. <laughs> and so I literally parked in front of Office Depot and walked almost hiding my face into the mustard seed, bought a New Testament, go home, and uh, and start reading that. That was in... The fall, maybe, of 2000, and uh, and I started reading, of course, in Matthew 1, and it's not a coincidence that Matthew, who was primarily written to a Jewish audience, it's not coincidence that that's the first book in the New Testament, and so when you read the genealogy in Matthew, I'm one of the geeks that loves the genealogy, particularly Matthew, because it proves that Jesus is a legal heir, has a legal right to the throne. Um, and so I started reading in there. Anyway, finished the New Testament in about maybe two, three months, something like that. Started having feelings that I thought I never could possibly have because I started thinking, do I actually believe this stuff, this Jesus stuff? I mean, I really couldn't believe it. But I kept, when I was reading the New Testament and it pointed me 
backwards to different things in the Old Testament, I would go back and read. You know, those little letters that are in your Bible that point you back somewhere, you should go back and read those things, which I did. And then I read a bunch of other books, The Case for Faith that Lee Strobel wrote, The Case for Christ that Lee Strobel wrote. And then January 17th of 2001, I was driving to work, probably 5.30 in the morning, and I thought, I believe every word. From Genesis 1 to the end of the Revelation, I believe every word. I believe that he is who he says he is. Um, I believe that, that death on that cross took care of it. I believe that the resurrection was real. He ran out of that grave alive, and the Lord saved me. 5.30 in the morning, right at the end of the runway at the air, by the airport. You had to oh. pull, pull over? Yep. <laughs> I did. Wow. Pouring down rain, 5.30 in the morning, January 17, 2001. Wow. I went from lost to found. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, because in the Jewish faith, um, get, correct me if I'm wrong, they they believe in Jesus. Jesus was a, a, a very an amazing man, a prophet, but they don't believe that he is the personal Lord and Savior. Is that correct? Yeah. Or, or is that that's kind of the, the main sticking point, I guess? Well, yeah, because uh, for Judaism, the Bible is the Old Testament, period. So the New Testament is not Scripture. So the New Testament... No one would obviously deny its existence because that's absurd. Mm-hmm. But but in Judaism, um, you would deny that it's inspired, that the New Testament is inspired. They would deny that, um, wouldn't deny that Jesus was a man. Of course he was a man. I mean, that's absurd to, to think that. But that he was the Messiah, absolutely not. Right. Um, so growing up in Judaism, you're not taught that he's not the messiah you're just really not taught anything about anything that has anything to do with the new testament you're just taught the old testament right which is probably foreign for you to even get your arms around because that's not the tradition or the culture that you grew up in right but if you thought about if the only bible you had is the old testament um you would not really know the name of jesus But when you read the New Testament and you go back and you see the scarlet thread of Christ that's woven everywhere in the Old Testament. And you might have a, I mean, we're here in the Bible Belt in Georgia and Alabama where a lot of people grow up in church, in in a Christian church, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, non-denominational, all kinds. Um, And um, so you kind of come with a different perspective because you became a Christ, you know, a Christ follower later in life. So it's not something that's like just it was a habitual thing that you your your parents took you to all that kind of stuff. And so it's I guess a different perspective, right? It is. And Susan, my wife Susan, has said this before, often actually, and it's so true. And I've never thought about it, but she would she just would say, "I come to the church without baggage, without church baggage." Right. I got baggage. Trust me. <laughs> but but without the church baggage, yeah. I mean, all I'm trying to do um, is what the Bible says. Yeah. Um, you know, and the Bible really in the in in the time that we live in, it's it is our only really infallible source of authority. And so when we think about our feelings or our emotions or any of those things which are real, I'm not saying they're not real, but if our feelings are in contradiction to something that the scripture says, the scripture's got to trump. And so I'm just trying to do what the you know, what the Bible says. So maybe it is a different perspective in the sense that um, that I have no church 
history in my life. Um, I just, all I'm trying to do is what the Bible says to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that like for me, um, you know, as a Christian and also as a, as a runner, I'm getting a different perspective with all this, the pandemic that's happening because you have to kind of find creative ways to do church and to do running, you know, races canceled, churches canceled, that kind of thing. Uh, this is a podcast. It's called Run the Race. This podcast is because built on the uh, the Hebrews verse about running the race of perseverance and, and finishing strong. Um, for you, um, you know, um, we were talking about being stir crazy and all the things, you know, um, whether it be dancing or walking. Have you seen like people kind of coming up with different ways to kind of, and again, not to be with groups of like 20 maybe in group runs or, or a, a gym class, but to kind of get, you know, get fit in different ways. I mean, people walking in the neighborhoods, things like that. A lot of dancing going on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And just kind of checking friends and and people's social media and kind of keeping up with people that way. Um, I have seen a lot of people up in Pine Mountain, for example, hiking, um, that I'm thinking they're hiking, but they're hiking. (laughs) But, and it was so neat because this was, uh, Two children and a mom and daddy out hiking, and I'm thinking, I wonder when the last time those that mom and daddy and those two children did anything for three hours together. Yeah. You know, because if you sit down as a family for three hours and you watch TV, okay, you're physically together, but are you really together? Not like you are if you're out hiking. It's kind of a passive, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder interaction. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And you would imagine that when that family was out walking they're exercising and you would imagine that they're talking for three hours laughing and playing together man just good stuff happens from that yeah and you were because you were telling me about an rv trip that you and your family took i think to colorado where you did a lot of different adventurous things i don't know how old your kids were at that point but they were i'm gonna guess um susan is here so let me check with her again (laughs) 10 and 13. She knows. Will was 10. Of course she does. Will was 10 and Zach was 13. And we we actually flew to Denver and had an RV rented for, and we mm. had to ship our stuff to them and they packed the RV. And we got there and we put about, I don't know, 2,500 miles on the RV over the course of 14 days or something like that. But we went through Colorado and then we went up into Wyoming and went to Teton National Park. You know, it's kind of camped, you know, along the way and went into uh, Yellowstone. Um, we trout fished on the Yellowstone River, on the Snake River. We did some some whitewater rafting and then we horseback rode in uh, in Montana Ooh. on a ranch and we're riding a, up a trail. And of course, I exaggerate things because I'm a pastor, but I think the trail <laughs> that we were on seems like it was about six feet wide and it was probably 12 feet wide. But it was a thousand feet down on one side, oh, yeah. and then the mountain was kind of on the other side. And Susan was like, "Where's the guardrails?" And I said, "This ain't Disneyland, baby. We're in the middle of this guy's ranch in Montana." That's and how I, it's like at the Grand Canyon, too. You know, hey, you're kind of on your own. Figure it out, you know. <laughs> and I think it was Will's horse. It was either Will or Zach's horse. I've never seen a horse trip, but whichever one of them it was, the front left leg of this horse it tripped and he went down to like a knee and if it had thrown him it would have thrown him right off the cliff Woo. they would say today that that was the very best trip because we were all together all the time for two weeks 
Yeah, well, that's kind of how it is now, right? Yep. <laughs> in this world of quarantine, and who knows if it's going to be more weeks or more months. And and I know for you as a pastor, and even before you became lead pastor of your church, um, that missions has always been, you know, or for years has been uh, a passion, a focus of yours as a missions pastor. You are the leader of M2540, a, na- a homeless ministry named after Matthew 2540. So in this new world that we're living in, again, this may just be temporary, but how does that adjust things work for outreaches? Because, I mean, there's these are people that are still in need, whether it be people in our church or the homeless or people in you know Africa or Haiti. So how do you uh, how do we kind of deal with that in this kind of uh, during this pandemic? You know, you know very much uh, with tears in our eyes. You know, number one. But uh, you mentioned M twenty five forty, which is the that uh, homeless ministry for. It's been around. I think we started it in the fall of fifteen two thousand fifteen, and we're out in the streets uh, with home cooked meals. About one hundred and fifty home cooked meals every week. Well, and I'm I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, but I made an assumption that the guys that are living unsheltered, homeless, that you would imagine their immune systems are not the greatest, yeah. right? I'm not a doctor, but I would imagine that. And if one of our volunteers, you know, a 25-year-old who has, who, who maybe has infected with coronavirus and has no idea because they have, they've been completely asymptomatic, were to give that to a guy on the street and that guy on the street is his immune system is half shot and then he dies i would have a major league problem like that would be so wrong and yet the the mission is still the mission so it's a conundrum but our but this ministry has never been about the food there are a lot of places that folks can get food safe house wonderful place still serving um, Valley Rescue Mission still serving food, um, and we're still um, delivering. Uh, you know, we buy a lot of food at Feeding the Valley, and and it's just not right for us to put them in harm's way because it's not about us. All of our volunteers are like, but we need to serve. We need to serve. Well, yeah, we do need to serve, but we've got to find innovative ways to serve that doesn't bring harm to people that we're trying to help. Yeah, because I mean, not, not only you know potential legal ramifications, but it's all about health and it's about focusing on, you know, being responsible and doing the right thing. And, and it may just be a, uh, hopefully if ever, more, I guess the more people that do the right thing, maybe the less time we'll have to do this, right? Hopefully. Absolutely. Yeah, we <laughs> sure hope. We hope that the, that the CDC and all of those folks, you know, are right and true and accurate in, in what they're saying for sure. Absolutely. Um, one last question for you, and because um, I know uh, I had Alex Kendrick, a filmmaker, actor, producer, um, on um, the podcast a few months ago. Uh, they made their most recent movie, Overcomer, in Columbus, Georgia, um, and they're from the Albany area. Um, and you know, you and your wife were um, a big part of the movie. And uh, I, I guess I don't know if you were in, were you in the movie on on camera? Is that right? Or, or Susan was way more heavily involved in it than me. Um, she's actually in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, she did, she was the jack of all trades for the Kendrick brothers for that, that time that they were here. She did from, she took care of feeding, uh, the whole cast and crew, which I think is about 125 people. Uh, she took care of feeding them every night while they were here shooting, which is a monumental task by, sure. by rallying churches to provide a meal here and there. And so, she did that. She was Sherry Rigby, who was the female leads. Uh, 
the wife, Alex's wife in the movie. She was Sherry Stand-In. Susan worked in Crafty, which is craft services. Um, she worked in hospitality. She just did all kind of stuff. She just loved. I've never seen my wife so passionate about anything as she was for that time span. So she did that. I was on camera, I mean, on screen for about 10 seconds in the funeral scene at the end. Sure. Um, not a close up, um, just kind of from afar. Yeah. But was it, I mean, how was it being a part of that whole process and seeing over the course of that summer, seeing a movie made in your hometown and, and a high quality movie that also has this message of faith and fitness that hopefully got out to a lot of people. Super incredible, most probably one of the most incredible experiences. And I was, like I said, not as involved as Susan was, but but it was an unbelievable experience. Um, and and then when you watch the finished product and you think I've never seen any movie ever in my life that had a more clear uh, presentation of the gospel than that movie did. But Stephen and his family, his wife Jill and their kids, um, a, a crazy sweet family. They lived in our house for the three months while they were here we you know we went and found a place to live it was not a big deal but they lived in our house so we became really good friends over the course of that time and I was really blessed to be able one of the days they were shooting in the house um that the that the family that Alex and Sherry their characters lived in on I want to say Iris Drive maybe it was yeah yeah kind of midtown Columbus Mm -hmm. So that day when they were shooting over there, I, I was uh, privileged enough and honored enough to be able to pray over the set and over the, the cast and the crew for that day. And uh, and we went over because they would have a little home base. Well, the home base that they had for that day, and this is just God's sovereignty, the home base was a church on Winton Road. And, so, and I didn't know that until it happened. But the home base was this church on Winton Road which is where they wanted me to come pray or part of it was there. Anyway, that home base was the synagogue that I grew up in, but it's now a church. Hmm. And I didn't know that God knew that. And so this flood of him and Stephen didn't know that when he asked me to do it, you know, it was one of the 31 days that they shot. It just happened. You know, we serve a God of coincidence, haha, um, that it was that day that the the Jewish guy that got saved and becomes a pastor is praying and being in a church that used to be the synagogue that he grew up in. The, the irony in that is just pretty amazing. And it was this flood of emotions when we walked in there because I could, it smelled the same as it did when I was a kid. Yeah. That was the place that Susan and I were married. But now it's a church and we're filming a gospel-centric, Jesus-focused movie. It was that was a, a really an amazing, super emotional kind of time. But the, you know, getting to become friends with those guys. I mean, what a godly group of men. Um, and there's so many people on the planet. You know, tens and hundreds of thousands of people that know Christ today because of those movies. Yeah, and um, I believe one of the brothers, Alex or Stephen, recently, maybe just today, shared your. Uh, you and your wife's dancing video, I think? Steven did, like an hour ago. <laughs> it's funny. Very kind words that he said. Um, but, yeah, he sure did share it. Yeah, well, that's cool. And, and uh, I hope more and more people share that video because, you know, we're all looking for, like you said, some 
some uh, positivity, something to make us smile. Um, and uh, so this is a time to really, you know, kind of, like you said, pray for your pastor, hug your family, um, you know, and wash your hands, <laughs> all that stuff together. And uh, because we can't forget those relationships um, in the midst of all this stuff happening. And I'm sure that's something you're talking to your church about as well. Even though we're like, you know, um, in different facilities, we can still gather as a body. I say it this way because <clears throat> we talk about locking arms together all the time. And so I just tell them we got to figure out, and I think we did figure it out, and lots of churches I'm sure figured it out, figure out how to lock arms without physically locking arms. You know, figure out how to be engaged without physically being engaged. I mean, it can be done. And uh, Paul said um, one of the most true, the truest statements in Scripture. Paul says when he's, and he's writing in Philippians, uh, yeah, in Philippians, um, writing to, uh, from Rome with chains on, he said, my chains serve to advance the gospel. And so the Lord is going to advance the gospel through all of this. There's no doubt. There are so many people that are so much more engaged than they ever were now. Yeah. You know, the devil would try to isolate us, and he thinks he's isolating us, but how many churches are more engaged with each other via the technology? Yeah, I heard uh, people say this is uh, uh, they were proud to be a church hopper on Sunday because they were <laughs> they were looking at different Facebook videos because some would have service at nine or ten or eleven or noon and so they would be flipping back and forth between the the websites and the Facebook lives and all that kind of stuff and so uh, it's kind of, I guess that's not a bad thing because you're getting all these different messages you know and hopefully every one of those messages Jesus 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 absolutely and speaking of that I usually close the podcast with a prayer. So I'm, I want to bequeath that honor to you. Yield the floor to uh, Pastor <laughs> Ed Griffin Hagen. Like we've got the hotline. Exactly. <laughs> so if you could, uh, if you could uh, close us out in prayer for this interview. Absolutely. Lord, we love you today. We uh, thank you for Jason and his ministry because he seems to find a way to turn everything he does uh, into a ministry and, and into a way to point people back to you. So thank you uh, that you've given him the platform that he has. It's super public platform lord we thank you for that uh, lord i thank you for all of the churches the bodies of believers that are all over the place that have uh that have taken what what the devil would make lemons and really and truly turned it into lemonade um, it seems like uh that you are doing stuff all over the planet to bring people back into a relationship with you and so lord we thank you for that my prayer is that you would just thump this virus right off the planet um, from one second to the next. Um, Lord, if that happens, then no one can deny that you are who you are. But Lord, you're sovereign, and, uh, and whatever happens is going to happen, and we pray and we trust that you're going to use it to advance the gospel, as Paul told the church at Philippi. But Lord, I would pray for uh, all of us as we're in this time that people can really be anxious and people can really worry and people can um, can have some undue stress that they would turn to you and truly find peace um, because you promise us if we do that that you will provide us with peace and from that peace joy can come and so Lord we uh, we love you and we thank you for all that you do in Jesus name Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks very much, Pastor Ed Griffin Hagen, for joining us on the podcast. And we'll see you on the trail soon. I got you. Thank you, brother. <laughs>
It was really great to uh, sit down and talk to Pastor Ed. And again, his wife Susan was here as well. And uh, we wish him and his church the best as uh, they are a part of this new normal as well, doing church live, streaming online. And who knows how long this reality will last, for weeks or months. And, you know, gyms are doing the same thing, doing online workouts, all kinds of things. And we're talking about some of those issues, how things have changed for us in terms of fitness and faith in today's Food for Thought. Well, CNN and people really all over the world reporting this man's venture. Uh, He is a runner that did not let the French government's order to remain indoors, that lockdown, to prevent him from training for a marathon amid the coronavirus pandemic. He was supposed to run an official marathon in Barcelona, Spain, on March 15th. Obviously, that was canceled. And so he decided, his name is Alicia Nochimovic, a 32-year-old restaurant worker who was furloughed. He ran the length of a marathon, which is 26.2 miles on his balcony uh, at his apartment. Uh, it's a 23-foot-long balcony. So he did this in about 6 hours and 48 minutes, which for him was a personal record, nearly double that of his previous finish time. Nachimovich said, quote, My only pleasure is running no matter what the time. And his girlfriend was there, supported him, fed him M&Ms and Coca-Cola to help him uh, refuel as he continued running that marathon on his uh, apartment balcony in France. Now, the balcony is nothing like the streets of Barcelona, um, but he said the experience was very worthwhile and, um, you know, and hopefully, he says, inspired other people. So you can get it done no matter when or where. Turning to the faith side of things for Food for Thought, uh, a story out of Columbus, Georgia, which is where I'm located, um, you know, churches um, having to do things a little differently now. A lot of people live streaming online, but one church in Columbus, Georgia, just south of Atlanta, uh, social distancing and all the restrictions of gathering of, of maybe 10 or less people, they said that didn't stop them from coming together to worship. Pastor Collie Williams with New Covenant Church on Linwood Boulevard held a drive-in service in the parking lot. That's right, drive-in. Dozens of churchgoers listened and sang from their cars like you would at a drive-in theater. Uh, this past Sunday morning, Pastor said he was going to cancel all services, but he had this idea for the drive-in church service. He said, quote, I just love the way that we can come together as a church in our cars. I thought it was a crazy idea at first, but after I got to talking with my bishop, it was the smartest thing I've heard yet. So uh, there you go. They're going to be continuing to hold those drive-in church services at 11 a.m. each Sunday in the New Covenant Church parking lot until further notice. And they said anyone is welcome. You see churches doing this really all over the country as well. And we'll see what happens in about two weeks from now when Easter is supposed to happen. We'll see if, uh, I guess, maybe we won't be having services then either. But uh, we'll, we'll pray that things get better and get better fast. Of course, we already had the prayer from Pastor Ed Griffinhagen. I'm humbled and thank him for uh, doing that for this podcast. Again, you can uh, you might have a lot of extra time on your hands, so we'd love for you to go to uh, wtvm.com slash podcast, catch up on the previous uh, 18 or 19 episodes of this uh, weekly podcast about fitness and faith, and um, you can go there. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, all these places. We'd love for you to also give a rating at the bottom of the episode page, especially on Apple. Write a review and so we can keep this thing going. Uh, and no uh, coronavirus or not, we will continue to stay here, talk to you about the important things in life, uh, getting uh, better as a person, um, you know, closer to God, uh, physically stronger and mentally stronger as well. Thank you again for joining us today, and we will see you later on.